Welcome to Further Up and Further In. I am Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey, Amy. Today we're going to talk about partnering with the promise. Yes, and we're going to talk about a horse. Yes, indeed, a horse. What has a horse got to do with the promise? Years ago, we had a really dear friend, an older lady. Uh, We called her Grandma Ruth, and she used to tell this story all the time when life was getting kind of bogged down. And her story was something like this. There was this little girl that was always super hopeful and just totally optimistic about everything in life. And for some bizarre reason, her parents were concerned that this would just lead her to crushing disappointment. As Christmas approached, the little girl asked for a horse for Christmas, and then she just started telling everybody, I'm going to get a horse for Christmas, I'm going to get a horse for Christmas. And of course, her parents, for reasons that every parent can imagine, (laughs) thought, no, indeed, you are not getting a horse for Christmas, but this is such a good opportunity to teach her about not everything you hope for is going to happen. It's such a good opportunity to crush your dreams. Right? For a person who does the kind of ministry I do all the time, this story is just full of so many things, but it still makes an excellent point. So Christmas morning comes, the little girl is full of anticipation, opens this box, and inside the box is nothing but a giant horse turd. And so... (laughs) Which the visual is just like, oh. I know, I can smell it, I can see it. And uh, she, rather than being crushed with disappointment, just looks up with like this radiant face and said, horse poop, there's got to be a horse around here somewhere. And as much as that story traumatizes me when I think of all the layers of what can be said about disappointment and how older people like our age can get really cynical, Mm -hmm. the little girl's joy in that all the poop is just an indicator that there's a horse around here somewhere. So with Grandma Ruth and I, this was our thing. If there was disappointments around, we would just look at each other and kind of laugh and say, well, there's got to be a horse around here somewhere. Mm. And while that's a cute story, kind of funny and kind of (laughs) disturbing... There's so much powerful truth in it that when we give our poop to God, there's a horse around here. There's always a horse around with God. There is no disappointment. There's no thwarting. There's no rerouting, as crushing as it may be, that he can't use to transform into something really, really beautiful. The guy, obviously, in scripture who is our example of faith is Abraham. And hope and faith aren't exactly the same thing, but they're close. I always say if faith and joy had a baby, its name would be hope. Okay. Hope is rooted in the one we have faith in, Mm. right? It's not just this happy Pollyanna feeling. I think the dictionary describes hope as this feeling that things will turn out well. Well, I don't know about you, Amy. My feelings come and go with the wind, with the weather changes, you know, with the bill due, like whatever. It has to be something more than just a feeling. Mm -hmm. And yet it is a feeling. Hope is a feeling. God gave us feelings. We're not living a sterile following after God like a robot life. We have hope. Mm-hmm. And that hope is rooted in the fact that the one who promised us is faithful. Abraham. His whole story is a story of hope. And uh, in Romans 4, 17, it says, This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Every time I hear that verse and read it, it's just like, Yeah, the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And that's Abraham's story. It's Abraham's story. And he had this promise that God would give him a son, which is, I mean, the whole story is so beautiful and it covers 13 chapters in Genesis. But in a nutshell, Abraham obeyed God already. Radical obedience. God just blesses him out the wazoo. And God just promises him more blessing. And Abraham's like, I don't want more. I want a son. I want a son. And God says, you'll have a son. And then Amy, this is what blows my mind. 13 years go by with no son. 
And God, Abraham has another encounter with God. And God just says, again, I'm going to give you a son. Like, how long can you hope? Yeah. How long can you hang on to hope? And the thing that really stands out to me in this story above and beyond the obvious, I just have never heard someone else teach or preach this. I'm not saying it hasn't been. It just that it came to me as I was reading it one day that Abraham had to do his part. Mm. Yeah. To see the promise fulfilled. And I know so many people, as you know, I my children charmingly say I'm on the hefty end of 40. And as I look back at my college classmates that are really good friends, some of them are miles off of where they thought they would be at this point in their life. They've actually given up on God. Disappointment Mm -hmm. has had the last word in their lives. I just think, man, you know, what took them out? Mm -hmm. That the promise didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. Yep. And can you imagine with Abraham when God says, you're going to have more descendants than their stars in the sky? Well, if I was Abraham, I would think, well, clearly not in my lifetime. But that would indicate a house full of kids, Mm -hmm. right? A house full at least. That's what I would take away from that. So sometimes we hear God's promises and we think it means, yeah, we envision what it's going to look like. And then when it doesn't look like that, it's, oh God, you didn't keep your promise. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have kind of dreams of what that could look like. I have dreams of what it could look like, but I'm trying to hold them loosely without Mm. an agenda. Yeah. At the same time, Amy, if we don't partner with the promise, actually it won't happen. Mm-hmm. God's word is yes and amen, but we still show up with our yes, right? We're not robots. He doesn't just decree something over our lives and then we watch Netflix until it happens. Mm, yeah. And I think that, I mean, there's two ditches we often fall into. One is the sitting back and saying, being like, okay, God, you promised me this. I'll just wait for it to happen. And then there's the other ditch of, striving. okay, striving. You said this would happen. Therefore, I will go out and make it happen the way I want it to. Right. And that's what, I mean, ultimately, that's what Abraham did with Hagar. He took Sarah's handmaiden and said, well, Sarah's not getting pregnant. I'll take her servant, which is not an uncommon thing. You could take her as a concubine. And he had a son with Hagar. And God said, this isn't my promise. This is not my promised son. And actually, as the story goes, God said, because you did this out of your own efforts, it's actually going to create chaos in your life. And it did. Mm-hmm. And that happens in our lives too. So I don't know. Can can we get real about the promises in our own lives? Yeah. You know, I feel called to to connect, to release hope for exponential numbers of people. I have put a number on it in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I won't be that brave today. Um, <laughs> I can't go out and make that happen. I could try and I would exhaust myself. Yeah. But what are the little steps that we can do to partner with the promise? I really believe God's called me to this. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do little things. And going back to Abraham's story, the truth is Abraham had to go to Sarah's tent. Yeah. Right? He had to go to Sarah's tent. If they did not come together, there would be no fulfillment of the promise. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So he had to partner with the promise. God wasn't promising an immaculate conception like happened with Mary Mm -hmm. and Joseph, right? So you will have a son. And conversations I've had with people that have struggled with infertility, it's really easy for sex to become a duty obligation. Like I don't even want to do this. And he went to her tent for 25 years, 25 years, 25 years. And they were old. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Not a lot of energy. Right. And even just the, the tapering off, they both said, Hey, we are old. We can't have babies. They said this to God, both of them acknowledging that just the change in their hormones would make this more of a chore than a delight than it was when they were 25 and 30 or whatever. And so the fact that, they were, we can joke about it because it's kind of funny. Let's admit it. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's your big assignment. You have to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is at some point it would have felt like a chore and a duty and why bother? Yeah. And that's important for me to acknowledge, Amy. I know this is mm-hmm. funny because we've laughed about yeah. it, but it's also so true that 
in my journey of obedience to God, the promises that he's given to me, some days I haven't felt like doing the small things because they don't feel significant and they Mm -hmm. don't feel like they're accomplishing the thing I was called to. Yeah. I have to believe in the one who promised. Mm -hmm. My hope is fueled by if God said this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And I have, but what do I have to show up and do today? That's Mm -hmm. not forcing it like Hagar, but that is partnering with a promise and being obedient. And there's a part of trusting God that he'll let you know if yep. you're going off track kind of thing. Yeah, and you right? can kind of tell. Of saying, yes, I think this is where. And then God saying, okay, that's good. You got some skills. But yeah, you know what? It was maybe a little bit here. Yeah. But you know, right? It's the trusting that he is there along the way. And if you are, my thought is if you are giving your yes and taking little steps, God's going to make something good out of it. Yeah. It's not going to be, he's not going to be like, whoop, that was the wrong one. Okay. We're screwed now. The plan's off track by 10 years now because you thought you heard my voice and said yes to this. Yeah. And for me, one of the ways that I can tell actually if I'm striving versus just partnering with a promise Mm -hmm. is when I'm striving, I get exhausted and anxious and frustrated. Okay. When I'm partnering with a promise, I can tell you this. I don't feel like doing it half the time. Mm. But once I start to do it, I just feel like there's this wonderful flow of connection with God. So one for one season, quite a few years ago when I was was home with the kids a lot and uh, I was homeschooling for two years. That was an interesting chapter for another story. And I just felt like God called me to the discipline of blogging once a day for a month. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like doing it every night. Couldn't even think of what to do. But I would go park myself at the computer and wait for Jesus to speak to me about the thought. And when I partnered with it that way, it actually became exciting. The resistance mm. was on the front end. Yeah. With striving, the resistance is on the back end. Does that make sense to you? That totally makes sense to me. Yep. Yeah. So one created an amping up of anxiety and exhaustion. And the other one was just this meh, this mm. inertia. Yeah. I think apathy and inertia will keep most of us from partnering with the promise unless we recognize what it is. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. Really helps me. Really helps me to recognize inertia. So, I mean, multiple disappointments, any psychologist will tell you, will naturally create apathy and inertia, disappointment, mm-hmm. depression, right? So how did Abraham not go there for 25 blue yes. years? Yes, how did he? <laughs> when you think about it, like he believed in the one. Mm. we go back to who promised, who promised. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who's faithful. He has all power. He, all he needs is my yes. And he will do insanely amazing things. He just needs my yes. Mm. And I think Abraham obviously continued to revisit the one who promised mm-hmm. while he partnered with the promise. And we have this example. People sometimes when I start talking about this, are like, oh great, I have to wait 25 years. I don't think that's the point of the story. No. Because it's varying lengths with different people's stories. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's the 25 isn't the formula. It's the cycle of disappointment and hope. Because if you do the math, I think 25 years and 12 months of the year, right? Sarah's cycle would come around and she wasn't pregnant again. Mm-hmm. That's like 300 disappointments Ooh. on the same promise. Yeah. And he still believed. He must have been disappointed as well. I don't think he was a robot who didn't weep. Mm-hmm. There must have been days of weeping. But at some point after grieving, he picked himself up, believed again, who promised this? The God who is. Mm. And for me, when I remember the promise and I start to worship the one who promised, that's when hope rises up in me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think God is being cruel in the waiting time. Uh, you know, because I refer to it often. Psalm 105 has this verse in it that's just become 
a really important life verse for me, actually, of all the important life verses that I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good verse. Yep. And it's like every time I read it or every time you mention it, it's just like the, oh, oh. yeah. But it's, it's one that's anchored me, you know, yeah. it's like lots of happy, flourishing, flowery verses that people, no one else has ever told me this is one of their favorite verses, but it's helped me in Psalm 105, 19 it says until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character mm-hmm. and the idea that the waiting time isn't cruel. That it isn't just to, you know, kind of torture us. God is not up there with his big magnifying glass, beaming the light on us to see if we can survive the pain of this. It's like he's testing his character. Joseph, everybody, I think in the whole world knows Joseph's story, even if they've never read the Bible, because there's so many movies. It's such a powerful story. God gives him a dream and he gives him the dream again. He knows he has heard from God. I'm going to lead someday. Mm -hmm. And he ends up in a pit. And then he ends up in a prison. And all this time, you can look at the story from our perspective and go, wow, he was really learning what he needed to know to be a great leader. Because, I mean, when he first had that dream, his first response was like, let me tell my brothers and gloat over them. Right? It has such, like, arrogance and pride (laughs) in that. All the way to the humility he has when he's in prison and then even when Pharaoh raises him up. Right? It's just like... Could God give the weight of that responsibility to an arrogant 15-year-old? No. He would have destroyed the people he was supposed to lead. Yeah. And so I don't like the the crushing, breaking, growing process, mm-hmm. <laughs> the refining. But at the same time, as I recognize, man, what if this time that I'm in right now, when I look at this Psalm 105, what if this time is just building toward the promise well, then I'm actually excited. Yeah. And I honestly believe, Amy, that if we partner with that process, we can shorten it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like it's going to be longer if I resist. So what is God trying to teach me in this season? Not in a harsh top down. He's mean, angry, mm-hmm. annoyed at my whatever. But in this, he's like a really good father who loves me so much. And he has this really good plan for me. And he doesn't want the end of it, like the ultimate realization yeah. of it to crush me. Yeah. I can look back in my life and just watch how I've overcome fear and I've overcome this propensity withdraw and I'm like doing so much better with fear of man than I used to. That's the process he's had me in. Mm-hmm. He couldn't expose me to vast amounts of people before all of that had happened. Yeah. The, before the building of capacity. Yeah. For what? Because yeah. yeah, it would have. Yeah. That would have crushed. I and it would have been done. Yeah. And that yeah. would be the end. And we can look out there, you know, at quote unquote famous people and see how pain, people who got famous when they were really young were their lives got to be a train wreck. We have such a good father. Mm -hmm. That's not his plan for us to train wreck our destiny. He wants to cultivate and grow in us exactly what we need to flourish in our Mm -hmm. destiny. He loves us. What does it look like to remain attached to hope and partner with the promise? You briefly mentioned. Yeah, I did. I think I want to make sure I acknowledge that grief is real, Mm, that disappointment is real. And we don't pretend we're not experiencing it because that's bad. That's unhealthy, denial, gross, makes And that's not actually hope. It's not. And it makes for constipated Christians and we all know they're fun to be around. So definitely grieve your disappointments and grieve through them and work back to the promise. What has God said to me? Okay. I recognize what has come to me today is a sense of futility, hopelessness. I just bring those to you. Jesus, take them away from me. But here's my four steps. Remember the promise worship the one who promised, receive hope. Mm. And I think receive Mm -hmm. hope is really important. 
receive hope because we can block out hope so that we feel safe from disappointment in which case we're just creating more disappointment. Yeah. We can't be safe from disappointment. We have to hope again. Mm-hmm. Abraham had to go back to Sarah's tent. Yet again, every single month was a fresh partnering with the promise. Mm-hmm. So there we go again. Remember the promise. Worship the one who promised. Receive hope. And then partner with the promise. What does that action look like? And God will show you. Mm-hmm. So from there, as you partner with the promise, you will inevitably go further up and further in. 